Welcome back to the Grace and Grit podcast. My name is Marche. And I am Artrice Lene. And today we have the lovely Ashley Tamar Davis. Yes. Many of you may know her from Tyler Perry Plays or just being Prince Protege. And she has an amazing, amazing voice. She is actually my favorite vocalist of all time. Um, And we are very excited to have her on the podcast to be able to talk with her about her journey and really get to know her a little bit more deeply. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Ashley Tamar Davis. So we have the amazing Ashley Tamar here. And Grace and Grit, the podcast, we like to talk about everybody's individual journeys through Grace and Grit in this thing called life. Um, But the first question we like to typically ask to just sort of level set is, what does your faith mean to you? Faith is everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up in a household full of faith. You know, as you grow older, you realize what faith means to you compared to when you're a child. But uh, when I was little, I mean, I went to church. I didn't know what faith was, honestly, in my relationship with God until I got to college in Los Angeles. And I was going through a lot because at the time the group was getting really, really big and mentally it did a lot to me. And that was when I really started seeking God for myself. Like, what is what does all of this really mean? You know, what does success mean to you? What is Mm -hmm. my purpose? And I stumbled across a church that just the ministry changed my life, which was uh, Clarence McClendon, Bishop Clarence McClendon. So my faith got even stronger then, you know, um, and I think it was a different glow about me to the point where some of my friends from college would come to church with me and Mm -hmm. they accepted Christ. So faith has just been, you know, especially in this entertainment business, like you have to have a foundation. So if I had to say, what does faith mean to me? It's foundation. I like that. I love that, actually. Like you said, your faith, it looked different from when you were growing up to now. Like what's one of the main things from your faith that looks different from when you was in college and your faith got deeper from growing up and just going to church or doing church, I should say? Well, I mean, faith always is going to vary based on experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I say. Like, yeah. Uh, When people call and ask for my opinions, I don't like giving my opinions. I like to give experiences and how I overcame them. And a lot of my experiences, 99% of them came from me really seeking God. And then I would open up the word of God and (laughs) the answer would be right in front of me. So there's a difference between, and I talked to a lot of my friends, we talk about this, the faith that our parents instilled in us when we were little is different now because the generation is different. Life is different. Mm. I mean- influence is different. It wasn't the same, you know, in middle school, like kids today in middle school, is just totally different peer pressure. Mine was because I had buck teeth and my mom made my clothes and I had pigtails. So, you know what I mean? That's different from what kids are getting bullied today, you know, cyber bullying and you know what I mean? So my faith changed based on experiences, traveling the world, seeing how people live, what do they believe in? What do they think? Why do they think that way? Um, And I found, honestly, when working with Prince, because he was a Jehovah Witness, I found that he knew the word more than I did. So when we would have conversations, he we had great conversations because he challenged me to get in my word more than just telling him based on what I was taught. Mm -hmm. So my faith grew based on me seeking God for myself versus like what other people tell me it is or who God is or, you know what is faith, you know? And I also think growing up, we talk about this now is that a lot of parents 
always were waiting on God to do something. And in this generation, faith is really moving, (laughs) Mm -hmm. sending out emails and making phone calls and introducing yourself and befriending Mm -hmm. people on social media. So that's how my faith has grown completely. Like I pray, but I do a lot more action now than I did in college or when I was a kid, of course. Yeah. I'm wondering if you knew early on or if you kind of started feeling that when you were in college as you were deepening your faith and your relationship with God, but what do you believe is the calling over your life or the purpose over your life? You know, that's a good question. I feel like purpose changes every day. I I Mm -hmm. say like, once again, (laughs) I call it assignments every day. My assignment is different, but the purpose is still the same. Um, So I'm still discovering what that is. I do know I am a conduit to people getting connected to not necessarily God, but to the spirit of joy and love. And you know what I mean? I I feel like every day that's it. I don't think my purpose is singing. I think singing is the avenue to it. But Mm -hmm. I really feel like my purpose is like, I really, I genuinely love people. I genuinely love when someone needs help with something. I'm like, not looking for anything in return. So every day my assignment is towards that because the bigger goal is to get more influence to reach more lives, if that makes any sense. Um, But every day my assignment is different. You know, the purpose stays the same. So I'm still discovering it, you know, every day, but you know, like I, I'm a music supervisor for TV and film. Never in a million years would I think I would be doing this. And now I'm in circles that as an artist, I was not in, you know, but it's yeah. all starting. To, the dots are starting to connect at this point. You talk about pur- purpose and assignment. My question for you, not to go over your question again, Archie's, but what has been the hardest assignment for you in your purpose? Because I know that sometimes we have a purpose and we know what it is, but we don't really discuss the difficulties of walking fully in your purpose. So what has been like the hardest assignment for you? Could you say you love people? I know that gets hard too, to love everybody yeah. and just be there. Is really taking the emotions out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It yeah. is just so hard to not be emotionally connected to anything I do, you know, yeah. um, especially in what I do now, microaggression is very real. So it's very hard mm-hmm. to how do I word this email? How do I, like, I don't, I never used to have to do that. Think twice about how I'm going to say something. How is it going to come off? Like I'm naturally a nice person in my eyes, but not everyone sees that. Right. So that's, that's one of the hardest things. Um, And then someone asked me this last week, it's people not doing what they say they're going to do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, simple things like responding to an email or, Hey, I'm not able to do this at this time. That to this day still frustrates me. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest final things is I'm always having to send my resume out. You know, and I'm like, mm. dang, by now should, you know, yeah. should my resume speak for itself? But it's humbling, you know, <laughs> it's definitely humbling, but it's very frustrating. Yeah. Well, I want to deep dive, dive a little bit into your resume. So I grew, I grew up like knowing your voice first and like not knowing what you necessarily looked like. Quick backstory. My dad's a huge music head. He loves everything music. And so, of course, he had the 3121 album. And we were in the car listening. And, of course, Beautiful, Loved, and Bless is on. And I'm like, ooh, I love this song as a child, right? It wasn't until we, I think my parents and I, we went and saw Medea's Big Happy Family. And I kid you not, just by your voice alone, I remember, like, nudging my mom. I was like, she sounds really, really familiar. I don't know. Like, she just sounds really familiar. You have a very distinct voice. 
course, flip through the program and it says Prince. We get back home. I immediately tell my dad, where's the 3121 album? Because I'm pretty sure this is the same girl. He was like, yes, this is her. So I've like grown up knowing your voice and like having that distinctness of it. So I guess, could you take for those that don't know your journey thus far, but like, could you take us through just even what that, what your time with working with Prince was like and what you learned throughout that time? Because I'm sure he obviously gave you so many, so many gems. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) It's a twofold question. I first want to acknowledge, like, I really am humbled by what you said. Um, as I travel now, that is the first thing that people notice. They'll say, like, it's something about your voice or your smile, you know? So I'm always like, okay, this is definitely bigger than me. So I appreciate that. Uh, Prince was just, I mean, <laughs> he was just the coolest dude ever. I mean, and and some of the things that I do now where I don't get my emotions involved comes from his confidence, you know? Mm-hmm. He made no excuses about why he was advocating for arts, artists, you know, the conversations we would have with the who's who. I remember one conversation was with Mariah Carey, Jermaine Dupri and NDRE in his office, you know, and and it was like he was trying to teach them about ownership. I mean, he was really about ownership. But of course, people made up their own decisions after that. But he was very adamant about owning your own stuff, owning yeah. your live shows, taking your music and making it sound like the classics. Why are the classic songs so classic? Why, you know, he was very, he always was talking. I mean, if you ever thought someone did not talk, he was the total opposite. Sometimes you'll be like, <laughs> what are we talking about? It's three hours now. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. But he was that type of person. He always was talking. If he was not talking, you'll be like, there's something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. But he helped me to ask the why in everything I do. Why this? Why do you think I'm, uh, you know, I should be offered this fee versus this fee? You know, he just kept challenging things. So working with him was just like the most memorable moments. I mean, even to the time when I started working with Tyler, he would surprise my cast and he'd be like, do you want us to do a jam out at the house? And I would invite the cast to that. Like he was just a genuinely nice person. He became like uncle Prince, you know, cousin Prince, brother Prince, you know, he, he was just this all around person. And he was just, you know, he went to the bank, just like we go to the bank, you know, he was, you know, we went to the grocery store together. He came to my brother's basketball tournament in San Diego I don't know. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, you know? So, yeah. Your voice just in general, like I said, is very distinct. Um, I guess my question in terms of like when you were working on your voice, just as you grew up and as you've like worked with different people, like how did you find your own sound? Like obviously not trying to mimic anything that you did with Prince, but making sure Mm -hmm. that people knew your sound when you released an album or when you released a song, like how, What was that process like for you? I mean, it was very complicated because you have so many people tearing on you, like what songs you should sing. Um, Like I said, working with Prince is when I really discovered I love funk rock. I just love the Tina Turner era, the Janis Joplin era. Not that I ever wanted to be like them because I actually didn't start watching Tina Turner videos until after I started touring with Prince. 
Like oh, it was in the midst. It. So that's why people thought it was reminiscent of the Ike and Tina review, right? Yeah. yeah. But I just loved um, that kind of music. My mom, on the other hand, she's just always is like, you should sing gospel. You should sing gospel. But there's only certain songs that give me that gospel. Mm-hmm. Like I feel gospel has even changed and blurred yeah. with R&B. And I'm like, if I put out a gospel album, it's going to be an album of hymns, you know? But yeah. what made me have a distinct sound was me finally embracing it. Because growing up, it was always like, your voice is too big you know, or the music is drowning out or people would be like, we need to find the right song for you, but they would never go out and find the right song. And my question became, what's the right song? You know, mm-hmm. like, so I just yeah. started focusing on what I like. I love ballads. I love funk rock and I love jazz. So I just started putting it on my albums every time I put out, you know, a record. But as far as finding my own sound, it just took years of confidence to just mm-hmm. embrace that I had a unique voice. And even to this day, like like you said, people recognize my voice first. And that is where I'm humbly grateful to know I, I do have something unique. And, you know, it, it's it was a journey, though. It was a journey. Yeah. So you talk about confidence. Is there a certain song that you've written at a point in your life where it was gritty, but now you're looking at it and you see the grace in it? Funk rock gospel. So I did an album with Prince. Mm-hmm. To this day, when I listen to it, I get emotional. It's just something about those ballads. And it was called, um, was it called Can't Keep Living Alone? Can't Keep Living Alone. And we threw in some Bible verses. Of course, Beautiful, Loved, and Blessed is always, mm-hmm. like, hands down. Like, when we performed it, the energy on the stage was crazy. Um, it was like overtaking him. He even was just like, okay, I don't know if we can sing this song anymore. It's just like a very powerful song. That one was big because I always like, I'm so fascinated with the creation of life. <laughs> so I always wanted to write a song. When you found me, I was just a piece of clay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but any other song since then, it was Can't Keep Living Alone on my album with Prince. And then um, You Are God from my mm-hmm. latest album. I, it's just one of my favorite songs. I would love to sing at more churches and sing this song, but I have not been singing in church because I'm traveling. Um, but I love writing songs that are very inspirational, but they're spiritual in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I if that. I could do more songs like that, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, even I think Tina Turner's I Can't Stand the Rain is a spiritual song. Like, I yes. totally agree. Every time I sing it, I'm just like, I go in a whole nother world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, You spoke about Tyler Perry, um, and I was introduced to you from the Tyler Perry plays. And then I listened to your music, and I was like, yeah, I love her. Um, she's a keeper. That was a good one her. too, though. Why is it so hard to get over your past? Listen, yeah, that yeah. that was that even res. Sorry, just to, not to cut no, you off. Yeah. That's another one that just every time I sang it, like I really, well, I was in a relationship at the time too, but it wasn't until mm. my current sweetheart where I realized like I constantly live in the past and I didn't know it. So that song like really. Like, I love singing it. I love singing that song. I was just going to ask, um, what was one of your favorite memories from, like, on the Tyler Perry, um, in, like, that Tyler Perry scene, plays? What was one of your favorite memories from working Ooh, with him? That's just a being? hard one. There's four. Well, one. Four. I love two. that. Two. There's four that ring out with Tyler. So 
when I first saw him live, because I hipped Prince to Tyler Perry's DVDs. So Prince gifted me tickets to see Medea Goes to Jail. And mm. I had been working with Cassie and LeVan way before that, but I hadn't seen them until then. Mm. And so I remember when Chrissy opened up her mouth and sang Amazing Grace and Cassie sang, and then Prince did, you know, Purple Rain in the audience and we, we harmonized. So that was one of my biggest moments. Then years later, I auditioned for Tyler directly. They flew me to Atlanta and he was talking. He was like, are you the same girl that I met with Prince? So that was a moment in itself. Mm -hmm. Then um, he calls me on the phone one time and he was telling me about his grand opening for Tyler Perry Studios. And I'm sitting on the phone like, why is he telling me this? And then he was like, can you swim? And I was like, no. But come to find out, I sang at his opening night there. And that's when I saw like Whoopi Goldberg and... And it was just like cool because Whippy, Whoop, well, not Whippy Goldberg, um, Oprah Winfrey, because she used to come to our shows with Prince. So I would just kind of go up to people and be like, hey, good to see you again. I saw you. And they were like, oh, how are you? You know, and then I think one of my craziest, fondest memories was I was supposed to storm out in Medea. Medea's Big Happy Family. I was supposed to storm out after I go off on Jason and he's playing a joke on the other side, holding the door. So I couldn't get out. <laughs> and he used to do a lot of joking on stage. Like, um, especially Medea Christmas was one of my favorites. Like he joked so hard with the China and Japan. And some days I'll just be looking at him like, really, we're going to keep going here. Or like Medea's, um, Medea gets a job when he would pick up the phone, you know, <laughs> And that whole joke that he found. And one day, like, I just broke character. I was like, you're wrong. You know, you're wrong. <laughs> so it was just like, I think in that one, when we um, when we sang the duet, he yelled through the window or something. It was just like. <laughs> in the middle of the song? In the middle of the song. You're just like. <laughs> you have to be strong for that because I probably would have bust out laughing. Breaking yeah. character so many times. I love that. Um, I know, obviously, that you've toured, obviously, with Prince, and you've also toured with Tyler. What is just, I guess, kind of your process of taking care of your voice and your body when you're touring so much? And I mean, especially with the plays, I know that y'all are doing like sometimes two shows a day. And obviously, you've now done Broadway and you've toured yeah. with Broadway shows. So what are some of the like key staple things to make sure your voice is intact, your body is intact, your mind is intact? Well, that's a good one. I mean, the Broadway shows, I would just put my luggage in the hotel room and I would just kind of take off running and work out. Like I always kind of, you know, go running. I'm mm. all, I'm an introvert at heart. So I'm always doing stuff by myself. I am rarely hanging with the cast um, because after the show, like, I feel like I should go home and just chill mm -hmm. and, you know, I'll light a candle and like, that's my Zen at that point. Um but I don't really do anything in particular. I don't go out. I don't go to a lot of clubs where I'm talking over music. I love speakeasies and lounges. Yes. So because we have Mondays off is when I do more stuff is when I'll go to like a lounge or a speakeasy or I'll hang out with friends in that city. Um, but I have to have coffee before I sing. Every single show has to have coffee. Um, but I don't warm up. And that was the joke with Tyler Perry at the time. He was like, how does this girl never warm up? And she hits every single note, you know, every night. But I, I really think it's the grace of God. I've never lost my voice. Um, you know, I don't smoke. Not saying that smoking is bad or good for me. I just, I don't do things that I know will deteriorate mm -hmm. the vocals after a while. But one of the biggest things people don't know is when you talk throughout the day in a very low 
um, vibration, that's warming up your voice. So you don't necessarily need mm-hmm. to do anything extra. Um, just like an athlete, I don't think track runners run a lot. They just stretch a lot, right? Ooh, so you. technically I'm stretching my vocals by talking, but I don't yell, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a cheerleader. My mom was like, no, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean. So I just want, you said you drink coffee? Oh, before- I Coffee is my thing. Like I have to have, like when I used to do praise and worship at Abundant Life in Houston, I would have to be there at eight in the morning. I had to get coffee because I was not going to hit not one note without coffee. Like I have to have cold coffee. It has to oh, be cold. Cold, cold coffee. coffee. With, mm-hmm. Like, okay, so now I need to Just order coffee. Yeah, I need to know. What's your coffee order? So like, oh, it's complicated. So either I'll get a double <laughs> shot of espresso, like a pump of like vanilla, or mm. I'll do... A double shot of espresso with cinnamon dolce over ice. And it is everything. It's just, yeah. it's perfect. And then when it's around Christmas time, I'm getting double shot of espresso with peppermint. Because mm-hmm. it's seasonal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my I'm goodness. Try I that. never would have said cold coffee for like, because I feel like just as singers, you probably always hear people like, oh yeah, we use like, you know, lemon water or tea or something. <laughs> I did that one time. I had to sing for the mayor's inaugural ceremony in Houston. It was Anise Parker. It was with an orchestra and the whole night. And I had to sing some song that Jennifer Hudson did. Thank you. Something about thank you. And there's a note at the top, 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 top. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get a chance to get coffee. And I'll never forget. I went in my dressing room and they had tea. And I was like, well, I got to drink something. Never again. I could not hit that note. I had to do it like falsetto. Oh my goodness! Ooh. So ever since then, I was like, "This is confirmation. I can't have anything but coffee." But coffee, I never would have guessed. I feel like there are so many singers that are going to be like, "I'm drinking coffee now." Well, I'm, yeah, have to I'm definitely coffee. bringing it to the well, forefront on Sunday. I, I just did another show and I couldn't get coffee. And I'd heard if you eat Cassie Davis likes um, Lay's salt chips. Mm-hmm. I've heard of Lay's, yeah, and I tried that, and that was actually good. That was actually okay. really really good. I don't know what the science is behind it, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm gonna try it. <laughs> yeah. Coffee, but cold coffee. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I'll, let you, I'll let everybody know how it works out for me this Sunday when I leave worship. Because <laughs> I've never, but I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, what point in um, this journey, because I, you know, I know you did praise and worship, you traveled the world, you sung with Prince, that it got really gritty for you, um, actually Tamar personally like did you ever have a point where you felt like this isn't I can't do this anymore like I love it but I can't do it like my heart won't let me or my mental won't let me have you ever had a moment like that where it got gritty for you I can honestly say no because I I've always known it's God's gift so as he opens doors that's where I'm gonna go I just I mean I just got to that point but it was a moment when one of the Tyler shows got canceled at the last minute. And I was like, I'm never going to let this happen to me again. And so then I started morphing into my entrepreneurial side mm-hmm. with the company. Um, we're launching some major things at the end of this year. Like that gives me joy because I don't have to think of anyone else to, you know, be in power of when I can work and when I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've always been the type of person. I've always known when to morph. I've always mm-hmm. known it. Mm-hmm. Like I just... I mean, I knew when it, when it was time to get into music supervision. I knew when it was time to get the company started. I knew. Um, so, no, there was never a point when I was just like, don't want to do it again. Yeah. Like, never. It's never going to be a moment where I won't sing. I mean, 
it just won't. Now, it got to a point where I knew I wanted to be in a grounded relationship. So that's when I was like, okay, I've got to make adjustments to where I'm not on tour for six months and a year. And you know what I mean? Because I knew not making myself present for someone that was always going to be a strain. And I didn't want to put anyone through that. So I, you know, I knew when to morph to start making decisions based off of a relationship and you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I never wanted to stop. I'll never stop singing. Never. Well, I thank you in advance for never stopping. Truly music to my ears, honestly. Um, I want to talk about Siren um, Arts Academy and your company. Just first of all, I commend you for even starting that and just building it to what it is, because I always thought about, I mean, we're also producers, but I feel like you don't see a lot of education on how to work in the entertainment business or even just how to like legally do things at times Mm, or just how to make those connections. So I commend you for doing that and giving people access to those resources. But I would, I want to ask you, what is your, what is your ultimate goal and kind of vision that you see for Siren Arts Academy and just how you continue to build that out? Well, that's a frustrating process because the educational systems are just, I mean, they're just in bad shape. You would think that they would really want to get off the beaten path and try new curriculums and new pipelines. It's just crazy. So I would love to see Siren Arts Academy have its own building and really be an arts institution from all non-traditional careers. Um, We're trying to partner with some schools now to where we're bringing the professionals into the schools. The students have access to non-traditional careers from automation to AI to even stunt Mm -hmm. coordinator to food, the people who do the food for on set. I mean, there's so many jobs that no one's talking about. Um, I mean, and I tell a lot of people, if you just look at the credits, that lets you know how many jobs are out there, you know? So it would be great if either we can go into schools and people hire us to do the coursework, the curriculum, people have asked me, do I want to teach? And I was like, no, I don't want to be tied down to a classroom. Mm -hmm. Now, if USC, my alma mater asked me to do something, you know, every Wednesday for one semester, I'll do it hands down, you know? Um, But I do have a book. I actually have a new one coming out that I don't want to share the title to, but I already have a book now and a workbook, but because the industry keeps changing, those Mm -hmm. books need to keep changing. Um, especially now the AI is here, is to, you know. So the ultimate goal is to have our own building. We're working on that now. We have meetings coming up about it um, to where, and that's another frustration, finding places where you can do your creative work, yeah. you know. It's just a lot. We're going to change this room that I'm in into that, like like a, a mini stage so I can film more content out of here. But eventually I want Siren Arts Academy to have its own building, its own curriculum. We are finding the next videographers, cinematographers, you you name it, you know. But we're also teaching the jobs that no one, like music supervision is yeah. very unheard of, but it's one of the most important jobs on a TV or film project, you know, commercials, gaming, you know. Um, so, yeah. That's the ultimate goal. In that um, in that process, while you are building that, um, I know that you are working on another album. I am. It's just taking so much time because, you know, I said I was going to start my vlogs again about what it takes to be an artistpreneur and what is our overhead. The overhead is no joke, you know. Uh, And I like working with new musicians and new composers. I feel like staying with one person is horrible, but I do stay with my one guy since 1999, Jermaine Williams. I mean, 
he can bring any kind of song to life. Yeah. Um, but just getting the musicians all in the studio at one time, recording like I used to do with Prince, you know, just letting them record, let the tape run. That's what we're going to start gearing up to do. We probably won't start till like September after Labor Day because um, the company, we're launching a new catalog for artists to sign on to to get their music and TV and film. So that's another thing we're doing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the album is coming along. I just don't know where I want to go with the style yet. At first, I wanted to do just vocals and piano. Um, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> I don't know yet. I don't know if I want to go strictly funk right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what my style is. My mom wants a gospel album, so I don't know if I'm going. I, I just don't know. It sounds like mom is waiting for her gospel say, album. Moms always <laughs> want a gospel album. They want that one gospel album. They want that one gospel album. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the gospel album is vocals and piano, and then the funk record is. But yeah, I got to figure out what my theme is and all that stuff. I'm I not rushing it. into it at all. <laughs> Please take your time. I will be sitting here waiting for whatever it's done. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I'm gonna listen. I really well, y'all need to you. rally up. Y'all need to rally up all the people to push Mr. Tyler Perry to get me because I'm tempted to just redo the songs that I did with him and putting them on a record. I but can, I would you have been reading my mind because I was just about to Ashley yeah. Tamar, can I tell you something? I literally oh had a conversation with somebody the other day saying generally. Mr. Perry needs to record all of his songs from all of his plays and put yeah. them on an album, on a record, something, because I want them well, all. But yes. For the record, I have told them that. Um, I don't know if it got to him, but I'm I am say it again. as hard as it possible. <laughs> I was like, it should be me. It should be Tony Grant. It should be Cassie. Yes. It should be Stephanie. Yeah. It should be Chrissy. It should be David and Tamala. It should be um, who else did some dope stuff? Uh, Melanie should be on there. Melanie Daniels, Cheryl yes. Pepsi Riley, Cheryl Pep, of course, Chandra Corelli. Yes. Like that would be. I've even before Zuri died, me and Zuri and Jeffrey were talking about doing a show in Atlanta, and you know, I proposed that we did a reunion, like a Zoom reunion, uh, you know. But yeah, you, I'm just one person, you know, yeah. so. You know, well, that's why the company, my company is doing what it's doing. So we can do more, get the rights to stuff and see what he says. But we'll see. Yes. Well, I'll definitely keep saying it. I mean, I don't know who to reach, but I'll say it until it reaches somebody. (laughs) Because that's what I want. Definitely. So um, I guess we'll wrap it up. But we do do this thing at the end of all of our podcasts. Um, Me and Artrice, we're... I don't want to say weird, but we love the movie for Color Girls. So we kind of put this little segment at the, we don't love it. I know. Cause when I said love, you looked like you were smelled. We, there's it's, certain parts. We love yeah. the monologues, everything. It's just a beautiful yeah. um, piece. But we do this thing where we say my grace is too blank to have thrown back in my face. I'll go first. My grace is too. Hmm. I don't know why I said I would go first if I didn't have it. Um, my grace is too love to have thrown back in my face. I will say this time around, let's see. My grace is too educated to have thrown back in my face. Ooh. Okay. And I guess mine would be my grace is too aware mm. to not understand. Yeah. I'm very aware now. So, 
<laughs> we love very it. aware. As I say, woke, I'm aware. Listen, we love <laughs> it. We have, and then our second way we end this podcast is also from For Color Girls, but we have a real dead loving for. So like the things that are just no nonsense that we are not taking for, like we're just not doing it. So for me, I will say, I hope I haven't said this before, but it's the first thing that comes to my mind. I have a real dead loving for people that just don't respect me, period. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I have a dead loving for it if you don't. If you don't respect me, it is it's gonna be a very hard conversation. <laughs> like there has to at least be a mutual level of respect. Um, I have a real dead love in here for people not respecting my time. That's really yep. big for me. So I have a real dead love in here for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mine would be because I've noticed this with a lot of artists, which is, you know, <laughs> some people ask me why I don't hang out all the time. <laughs> Because I, I just have no tolerance and no loving for um, people not maximizing time. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, if you're going to be, if I'm going to be in someone's presence and vice versa, like, let's talk about stuff that's going to be fruitful and push us forward. I don't want to talk yeah. about people. I don't want to talk about woe is me. I don't want to talk about, like, you know, one thing that I loved about Prince, like, when you were in his presence, you needed to maximize why you were there. You, you needed mm-hmm. to understand. And while you were there, if you were just around just to hang or to look good, he could feel that. And Mm -hmm. I feel that way now. Like, I don't like when people are in my presence and they're not picking my brain or they're not, you know, whatever. I don't like dead time. You know, if we're going to go and hang out, unless it's the movies where we can't talk, then let's (laughs) make it worthwhile. Let's not talk about other people. Let's not talk about who you know. And like, let's talk about something like, what are we doing? How are we? doing this together you know so intentional conversation it's intentional conversations Mm -hmm. i love it well thank you so much for joining us we really 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 appreciate it um and thank you all for tuning in with ashley tamar and the grace and grit podcast remember that this thing called life requires grace and sometimes it's going to get gritty i'm your co-host artrice lanae and i am marche and we will catch you all next time yes we will